Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Uh, today I'm talking on our, continuing our series called uh, Enjoying the Fullness of God. And what we're discovering is that many of us don't really get to tap into the fullness of God or experience the full fullness of God because maybe there's some areas of our life that we really haven't understood that God has promises for us that we need to uh, grab onto because these promises bring a whole nother level of fulfillment to our life. Uh, 8,000 promises found in God's word, 8,000 ways that God said, if you will do this, I will do this, and I will take care of you, and I will bless you, and I will prove that I am God to you through my promises found in the word. It's a divine insurance plan that God gives to each and every one of us. But many of us don't tap into it. Many of us don't know them. And so we've been discovering what they are. And remember, there's three facts about God's promises he gives us. First off, he wants us to build our life on his promises. He wants us to build our faith on his promises he gives us. Two kinds of promises, conditional, unconditional. Uh, Lastly, third thing is this, he gives them to us for two different reasons. Number one, to teach us to trust him. And number two, to make us more like him because he's a promise maker, a promise keeper. We should be promise makers and promise keepers as well. So we've been discovering what are some of these promises that God has been doing and speaking into our life. The first week was God promised us that as we are generous, he is generous back to us. That as we live our lives, and I say this to I said this to you, and I'll be saying every week, as we live our lives with open hand living, that means freely we receive, freely we give, God can bless us with more. That means more time, more talents, more treasures. But when we live clenched fist giving lives, I should say, we cannot, God can't put in what we do not have opened up. Nor can we give away what we're holding on to. And sometimes in life, God wants us to get rid of it in order to bring another blessing or a different blessing into our life. That was week number one. Week number two, I talked about this amazing promise called heaven. That for those of us who accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and for those of us who are living our lives unto him the best of our ability, asking him daily for his forgiveness, we will receive this eternal reward known as heaven. It's a promise of heaven. Third week was the promise for him to guide us through life and to help us through decisions we need to make. Uh, Third thing, our fourth week was this promise that in our future, he will take care of us. He will watch over us as we walk with him into our future. Today, I want to talk about fears. And this is going to strike a chord, I believe, in every single one of our hearts because every single one of us has something we're fearful about. Some kind of what they call phobia that all of us struggle with. There's claustrophobia, which is fear of small, tight spaces, and some of you may struggle with that. There's arachnophobia, fear of what? Fear of spiders. Movie came out uh, many years ago called arachnophobia. Uh, Mess your mind up, man. Uh, All the different things out there. So arachnophobia. There's agoraphobia. What is agoraphobia? Agoraphobia is fear of right here, we're doing right now, crowded spaces. Fear of being in crowded spaces. Uh, Some of you may have felt this last night. uh, Astrophobia, 
Fear of thunder. Fear of thunder. Astrophobia. There's all kinds of phobias. I said this one. Telephonophobia. It's a real phobia. It's the fear of answering the telephone or the cell phone without it being filtered of what your conversation is going to say. So what do you do? You shoot them through to voicemail or you shoot them back the classic generic text. I'm busy or I'm driving right now. I'll text you or text me what you want, right? Generic is generic. You at least got to personalize those guys. Make them seem like they're actually coming from you. There's a way to do it. I'll teach you later. Anyway, uh, there is, uh, uh, this is a big one, nomophobia. Nomophobia, you would think it's no more, no more phobia, but no. It's the fear of being without your cell phone. Everyone in the house, come on. If you have nomophobia, raise your hands up right now. This is time, this testimony time. There is more of you than that. Of course, if you went through the storm, I went without my cell phone for 48 hours. It was actually kind of enjoyable until my mom finally got a hold of me. Are you okay? So uh, here's one. Philophobia. Fear of love. Fear of love. Some of you struggle with that. Uh, here's one. Phobophobia. Phobophobia. Fear of phobias. Fear of phobias. Phobophobia. So, <laughs> so that's a really good one. What do you fear about? Phobophobia. All of them. They're all out there. Uh, before I talk about this fear that we're going we're to talk about today, I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, ever worry about what people think about you? Raise your hands up. Be honest with me today. How many of you guys ever worried about whenever you're going to talk with somebody, either in public or a conversation, worried about how it might be received, rejected, or otherwise? How many of you guys ever struggle with the fear of, of people losing interest in you and maybe moving on to someone else and they no longer really care to be around you or care to be your friend or anything like that? Yeah. How many guys? How many guys would say that uh, you have this fear of disappointing someone? Disappointing someone? Uh, how about a fear that maybe if you get into a situation and um, and you say the wrong thing, you say something silly or just downright stupid, uh, you'll look like an idiot. Your fear of looking like you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. We all kind of struggle with it. So, uh, how many guys have this fear of? Of, of like a big project needs to be done, so you procrastinate it to put it off to the last minute because why? You're worried that you may not get it done just right and perfect. Yeah, so you put it off. Procrastination is your big gift. It's a gift. Oh, I worked better at the last second. Probably. You've told yourself. So all these fears, all these phobias come to one, the fear of failure. The fear of failure is the most common fear that every single one of us have. Now, when we're little, uh, studies say that the fear of falling down is one of the greatest, most common that we have, the fear of falling down. But this fear of failure seems to begin really early in our life, and if not careful, will follow us through our adulthood life, and if not careful, will actually paralyze our life from finding real fulfillment because we're fearing the failures that are in front of us. What does it do? What does fear of failure do? It holds us back from the fullness of God. It keeps us from experiencing life to the fullest. And really, it keeps us from enjoying 
the blessings that come from failure. There is a blessing that God uses when we fail at certain things or at certain ways in our life. And so if we're not careful, we will be so cautious to not fail that we never really take steps of faith to accomplish anything because it's too big. It's too big of a a step to take, so we just kind of hold back. Some people are so afraid of getting their hearts broken love that they never experience the joy of finding a fulfilling life love that they could find. Why? Because they're so afraid of the pain that comes. Some people stay at unhappy, dead-end, unsatisfying jobs just because it's secure. Instead of launching out and maybe going doing something that's maybe they didn't go to college for, maybe they weren't trained for, but they just feel like I need to do this. They don't do it because they're so afraid and they're fearful where they're at. And when, as a result, what happens is it leaves people in a lot of poverty. It leaves people in a lot of regions that are unsatisfied. It gets people depressed and discouraged because they won't take steps of faith because of the fear of failure. So kind of how I want to start today talking about this is I want to use a parable that Jesus told, and then I'm going to build off of there four, uh, four things that I want to encourage you in when it comes to uh, this challenging and combating this fear of failure. The parable is the parable of the talents. Uh, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this story. I'm going to paraphrase some of it. I'm going to read a little bit of it, but a lot of it I'm going to paraphrase. So here's how the story goes. First off, there was an owner, a very wealthy owner of a business. I'm going to make it in our terms today. Uh, an owner of a business that had three employees. He was going on this long trip, and he wanted his employees. And when I say a long trip, it would have been for an extended period of a long time. Could have been a year, two years, three years. It was a long period of time. And so he has three employees he's going to entrust something too. It's called a talent. Turn your neighbor and say talent. Now, naturally, when we say talents in our world today, we think of, you know, tap dancing or juggling. You know, we think of uh, instrumental. We think of that as a talent. And while, yes, that's a talent, that's not the biblical stance of what this is meaning. A talent in these, in this context was a, a, a money, a monetary uh, amount of money. And here's in fact what it was. It was gold that was the weight of a normal human being in that time. Think about that. Now, listen, they weren't Americans back then, okay? They were a little tiny, a little more, little more petite than we were, but it would have been equivalent to a million, at least a million dollars. So here's what happens. This owner's going out of town, he's going for a long time, and he says, I'm gonna give, a, uh, I have three employees, I'm gonna give five million dollars to one, two million dollars to another, and one million dollars to another. Imagine that. Given and trusted, not given to keep entrusted five million dollars. So the owner, uh, the, the business guy, goes on his trip. He comes back. He returns after his long time, and he goes to collect on his talents that he had been given to his employees who were taken care of and entrusted to. Well, the one with five million dollars or five talents brings him 10. He doubles it. Imagine how excited the business owner would be and imagine if how excited you would be if you had something that was $100 and you got $200 back. Now, it doesn't seem quite the same as Five million to five million, but that was exciting to the owners because he took and he doubled his money. The one with two million took and invested it and brought 
another two million back, so four million. So now he has net gained seven million dollars. But the last one took his money, and here's what it says. If you look in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 25 through 29, it says this. Here's his, his reason for why he did what he did. He says, but the servant who had been given what? Just one talent said, I was, say it with me, I was afraid I'd lose it. Fear of failure. I was afraid I'd lose it. So what did he do? I hid the talent you gave me. I went out and buried it in the, uh, in the ground. And now I'm giving it back to you. Now, this employee probably thought he did a good thing. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose money. He didn't lose any, uh, anything off it. He gave him exactly what he gave him back. But here's what, here's what the next uh, verses say. It says, that made the master mad, upset him. And he said this. He said, you lazy, wicked servant, you should have at least put it in the bank where it would gain some interest. But you hid in the ground where it did nothing. And he goes on to say this. You did nothing with what I gave you, so I'm taking your one talent, and I'm going to give it to the one who multiplied it ten talents. So the one who had five, starting off with, gave it to him. And he says, to those who use well what I give them, what does it say? They will what? They will be given even more. Father God, help us today to combat the fear of failure that God erects and rocks every one of our lives. The fear of failure will paralyze us. It'll hold us back. It'll keep us from experiencing the fullness that you have for us in this life. So Lord, let your word speak to us today. Encourage us, challenge us, but most importantly, God, teach us to overcome the fear of failure in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So in this parable, we see these three employees, two of which did well with what they were given, and one who was disappointing to the, to the owner, to the boss. He made no difference. He made no change. He just eked by. He just kept it uh, simple. He kept it. He played life safe. He never took a risk, and therefore, he lost it. And if you, don't if you don't use it, you will lose it. The things that God has blessed us with were not meant to be put on the shelf because when they're put on the shelf, they, they uh, deteriorate, they go bad, they rot, and they die. God, the one who was given five talents multiplied it. The one who's given two, even though he didn't have five, he still multiplied it. But the one who's given the least did nothing with what he's been given. If you don't take risk in life, you don't have any faith. If you don't have any faith in life, you're living life unfaithful to what God has called you to do. God told the person with the one talent that did nothing, you wicked, lazy, wrong person. You did nothing with what I blessed you and gave you with. That is wrong. So I want to talk today, for the remainder of our time, how do we neutralize this fear of failure? Because all of us struggle with it. All of us have something in our lives. Now, 
I will say the older you get, the more confident you get in your abilities and your, your things that you bring to the table. And so you take, you take some risk and the older you get. But when you're young, you kind of don't want to be embarrassed if you fail or fall short. So how do we neutralize the fear of failure? Well, number one, first off, write this down in your notes. Remember, everybody fails. Everybody fails in many, many ways. We all are failures. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a failure. Turn to, the, and turn to them and say, I know you are. I know you are. It's okay. I am too. I am too. We're all failures. Every one of us fail. Every one of us. If you are a human being, every human being, raise your hand in the house. If you're human, raise your hands up high. Let me see all the humans in the house. You're 100% guaranteed to fail. Welcome to the club. You are in the failure club because we all are human beings and we all will fall, we all will fail, fall short of what God has called us to do. If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the club. Try and try again is right. Because why? We're, we're not going to succeed. We're going to fail. And so we're all going to fail. Here's what James 3, 2 says. We all stumble in many ways. In different ways we all stumble. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says this, There is no one on earth who has always does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. No one. Even if, it's not, if, even if your failures are not publicly known, they are privately known. We all fail. We all fall short. Do you realize in baseball, if you strike out seven out of ten times, seven out of ten times, think about that. You strike out seven out of ten times. You get it to the bat, seven times strike out, three times hit it ball. It doesn't matter if you hit a home run. doesn't matter. You hit the ball. If you hit seven, if you hit, if you strike out seven out of ten times, you're still in a 300 batting average, and you're still a three, $300 million player. Seven out of ten times. Now, I think I could do it. <laughs> just haven't tried. I just haven't tried yet, okay? In the NBA, if you make 50% of the baskets, 50% of the baskets, you are an all-star if you hit 50% of the baskets. Listen, failure is inevitable for all of us. All of us are going to fall short. It will not kill us. It will not take our life. Fear of failure will, but fails will not. So number one, remember... We all are failures. We all have failed. We all have missed it, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Remember, no failure is final unless you give up. No failure is final unless you get up. Give up. It will not kill you. It will not, uh, it's not terminal. Uh, but none of, nobody has died from just the normal everyday failure. Failure is not a big deal, but the fear, if it keeps you from trying something, that fear of failure is a big deal. It stops you from moving into what God wants. Here's what Proverbs 24, verse 16 says. Even though a righteous man falls and woman falls seven times, they rise again. Failure, when we fail, it just means we're human. But getting up and resilience is the game changer. It is the game changer when we get up and determine, okay, I learn, I grow, I keep going. I fall, I fail, I get up, I keep, keep going. 
There's not one of us perfect. There's not one of us holy. There's not one of us self-righteous. There's not one of us that can do it perfectly at all, no matter who you are, no matter what you come from, no matter how much you look at somebody else. You are not perfect. None of us are perfect. We all stumble. We all fail. The difference isn't the fact that we fall and stumble. The difference is, do we get up? We get up and we learn and we grow and we make a difference for our future. The godly are resilient. The godly people get up no matter how many times they fail and they move on to what God's called them to do. Are the things that happen in life beyond your control? Absolutely. Are the things that are going to happen to you that, that are wrong? Yes. Are the things that you're going to do that, that, that are going to cause failures? Absolutely. Some are going to come from outside of your control and others are from what you control. At the end of the day, it's about the fact that you get back up. And you continue to do what God has called you to do. Independence Day coming up this, this July 4th. Here's a great, some of the great stats of some of the great people that made a difference in our world. First off, George Washington, one of the greatest generals and the presidents of our lifetime. Uh, not our lifetime, of our history of our church. Uh, if you're that old, we're, we're in trouble. But anyway, uh, uh, one of the greatest presidents... In the history of America, George Washington, do you realize he lost two-thirds of his battles? Two-thirds. And yet, he had resilience, he had determination to be a, the father of a great nation. Um, Napoleon. Napoleon graduated 42nd out of 43. He was not a super intelligent person, but yet... He rose up and he conquered all of Europe. Uh, Albert Einstein did not learn to speak until he was four years old. Albert Einstein was very slow in education. In fact, his professors and his teachers said he, he'll never amount to anything. He is not smart. He failed math. He went to college and about dropped out because he was so discouraged he could never do anything. And here Albert Einstein, we look at, he reinvented our whole math equations and what we think about, about, uh, about theories and things like that and space travel. One of the greatest minds, we would say, in history. But yet he struggled. What did he do, though? He got back up. Babe Ruth, 831 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times to get 830 home runs. Here's a big one. I, I, one of our greatest uh, presidents in history is Abraham Lincoln. At age seven, he was forced out of their home. They were homeless. At age nine, his mother died. At age 22, he was a store clerk uh, and failed to get into law school because they said he wasn't bright enough. At 23, he took on debt of a partner that he thought was going to be a great business, and he wound up bankrupt. At 28, uh, he dated a lady for four years and asked her to marry him, and she said no. Uh, at, at 30 years old, he ran for public office and lost. At 37, he had a third attempt to run for office. He finally got elected into Congress, but then was kicked out or was not reelected two years later. He then ran again and lost again. At 41, uh, his four-year-old son passed away. At 42, he tried to run to be land officer, <laughs> and he lost as land officer. He ran for Senate at 45, lost. Uh, a few years later, he ran for vice president, lost. 
Uh, at 49, he ran for Senate, lost. At 51, he becomes the President of the United States. Quite a comeback, right? But what did he show? Resilience, you fail, you get back up. Failures are not the end, failures are the teaching moments that get us and propel us to the next place. Galatians 6, 9 says this way, we must never get tired in doing good because if we don't give up in the struggle, we will get our harvest at the proper time. We do not give up doing good, holding the banner. We get up and we see what God has for us. No failure is final. So, number one, uh, remember that everybody fails. Number two, uh, remember that that when you fail, it's not about when you fail, it's about getting back up. Number three, refuse to compare yourselves to others. This is a big one. This is probably the biggest point I'm gonna give you for the day. Refuse to compare yourself to others. To compare is to live in despair. To compare, you get discouraged. To compare, you get down. Because there's always gonna be somebody that looks like they got it better or they got it going on better than you, right? Social media is probably the number one contributor to this of our world today. We, unfortunately, and very toxically allow social media to speak a bunch of toxic lies into our lives. And everybody say amen about that. I say fake book, it's fake. There's lots of fake on there. Fake book, snap crap, Instagram, what else you got? Tic Tac, I don't know, what else you got out there? You know, there's all this junk out there, all this thing that's going on, and trust me, nobody's life is that good. That's not. Oh, they got the oh, perfect meal. Look at my perfect meal. I, I made such a great meal. Look at this. I'm amazing. I'm the Martha Stewart of the day. I want a perfect meal. I, I want to I have that. That looks delicious. They put on these new clothes. Oh, I want new clothes. Uh, they, 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 they paint this picture-perfect house and these picture-perfect cars and these picture-perfect families and picture-perfect marriages. They never talk about the diarrhea they had the night before. Right? Some people do. I, some people are a little too transparent. I'm like, listen, stop. TMI. Right? But they never talk about the struggles they're really going through. It's, it's only the picture, the snapshot of the perfection. And you know why? It's because, if, we are, if we're being honest, if we're really being honest, it's because it's what they want, but they don't have. It's the desire that they have to get that, but that's not who they really are. Or it's to compare to someone else. Oh yeah, look at what they did. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I mean, seriously, if the, if the wedding proposals get any more dramatic, I mean, seriously, I'm like, wow. I mean, Mine's pitiful. What I did was sad. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the dating things and all, I'm like, man, but see, it's just one up the other. We, we need to understand that God created us in a unique way with unique gifts and talents. And when we get to heaven one day, when we walk up, God's not going to say, why didn't you do it more like her? Or why weren't you more like him? God's not going to compare you to somebody else. He's going to judge you or you're going to be judged or you're going to be talked to about what you did with what you were given. 
Did you take risk? Did you get outside your comfort zone? Did you tell that person that you worked beside every single day in your office? Did you live your life in such a way that it was glorifying to my son, Jesus Christ? Did you live your life in such a way that it honored who I was? And then when the day came that they wanted to know more about this Jesus, you told them who I was and you invited them to come and learn more about me. Did you do well with what I gave you? Not what I did. Did you do well with what I gave Joe or what I gave uh, uh, Lulu or what I gave to... No, no. Did you do well with what I had you do? That's all we'll be judged for. That's it. So when we compare ourselves, two things will happen. We either will see somebody doing it better than us and we will get discouraged and we will feel like, what's the use? They're better at it than I am. Or we'll see ourselves doing it better than them. We'll say, I'm pretty good. And we get pride and we get this arrogance inside of us. Did you do well? Galatians 6, 4 says, you should judge your own actions, but never compel yourself with others. Listen, then you can be proud for doing your best. The grading scale is not based on someone else. It's based on your ability to do your best. That's what the grading scale is. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says it this way. We don't dare compare. We don't dare to compare or classify ourselves as some do. For when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are what? They are unwise and acting Let's say it a little bit louder. Acting How many fools we got in the house today? Raise your hands up high. I'll wait. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Pastor Terry, get yours up. Way up high. Way up high. Get it up there. (laughs) We're all fools. Because why? We've compared ourselves at some point in our lives to someone else. We've looked at what they have, and we've wanted it just the same. We're all at times full. Comparing is a foolish thing that if we're not careful, it will trap us, and we will not uh, launch, and we won't do what God's called us to do. So, number one, everybody fails. Number two, failure is always inevitable, but we have to get up and uh, refuse to compare. And last thing is this. Replace your fear with faith in Jesus Christ. Replace your fear with faith in Jesus Christ. When you get fear out of your life, there's a vacuum that takes place, and the only way that you can fill that vacuum is with Jesus Christ and Him alone. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I have the strength to face all circumstances, conditions, situations by the power that Christ gives me. We can only make it through life because of the power that God gives us in life. So when we fail, we don't get up on our own strength. We don't get up on our own power. We get up through the power of Christ living in us. It's the inspiration of Christ that comes and breathes life into us to keep going. Isaiah 41 verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear when you take a step because trust me, I will hold you in the step that you take. Crossview, the church, myself, 
the church of big dreams, a church that wants to dream beyond what we see here and now. And I encourage you as your spiritual coach, as your pastor, I'm begging you to dream big. I'm begging you to see beyond what this world holds because let me tell you something, if you see what this world holds, you'll get discouraged right away because it doesn't seem there's much hope. But do you realize that if every single one of us, if every single Christ-filled, God-fearing, Jesus-loving followers of Christ would rise up and have big dreams, dreams of seeing our families saved, dreams of seeing our workplaces come to who Christ is and be transformed. You say, you don't know the people I live with. I don't know them, but I know one who does, and he died for them all the same. He loves them just like he loves you and me. He has a hope and a promise for them just like he does for you and me. And God says, if you believe and if you trust, I'll give you strength. I will be with you through the times you question or you doubt. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God does not give us a spirit of fear that makes us afraid. Instead, he gives us a spirit of power and of love and of a self-control or a sound mind. Growing up, if we're not careful, we, we, uh, we, tra- we train ourselves to be fearful. We train ourselves to be people uh, conscious instead of God-centered. We train ourselves to be worried about what people think about us instead of who God created us to be. And let me just say something, that doesn't change overnight. That's not gonna change in a second. That changes through a daily, hear this, that changes through a daily surrender of your mental life. That changes through a daily acknowledgement. No, I'm not gonna worry about what they think about me. This is who God created me to be, and I'm gonna be me. I'm going to, as long as it's glorifying to God, let me just say this. I'm not telling you to justify bad behavior because that's not, that's not what God says. That's not at all correct. Don't leave here saying, oh, he said this is the way I am, this is the way I am. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God created you to become more like Christ every single day, to be soft like him, to be sensitive like him, to be kind like him, to love like him, to at times it's okay to be upset like Christ would be for unrighteous things. But God loves us and he cares about you and he wants you to change your mind. So you have to take those negative thoughts and take them captive and say, no, no, no. This is who God created me to be. I will not, I will not allow that person's opinion to define who I am. Fear of failure will hold you back, but you neutralize it through understanding everybody fails. No failure is final. Compare yourselves to no one Only compare yourself to Christ and Christ alone. And number four, replace your fear with faith in Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me today. Father God, help us today to acknowledge that, Lord, we're not experiencing the fullness that you have for us, the fullness of Christ, because honestly, God, failure, the fear of failure has held us back far too long. God, we're we're just normal people just normal people trying to live our lives uh, and honoring to Christ, trying to live our lives to glorify who you are. And God, we fail. We fall short. But God, just as you did with the talents, you tell us to get up, 
invest and continue on. Despite our insecurities, despite our anxieties and our fears about our our self-worth, God, we don't judge ourselves by others. We judge ourselves by you and we allow you, God, and your spirit to give us strength in our lives. With your head bowed and eyes closed, as some of you here today, you gotta make a big decision. Your fear of failure can be overwhelming. I'm here to tell you and encourage you. God is with you. God is for you. God is rooting you on. Will you fail? Maybe. Better to fail and take a chance than never take a chance at all. Better to fail and learn and take another chance than to just live a complacent life and never experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. So God, I pray for those that have to make decisions, for those who are fearful of what the, what the future might hold. Let them trust you. Let them hold on to you. God, replace their, their, their thinking with self-control, with a power and of love and of sound mind in Christ. Help them, God, to understand that their fear of failure will only keep them from the fullness that you have for them in God. Right now, anything can happen. Right here, everything can change. It is time, cast all your cares upon Him. Right here, right now, no Don't fret, just run into his presence And just know he's got every single tear And be cleansed in the holy rain of Jesus Right here, right now, no
Lord God, as we face our fears today, we thank you that you are more than an overcomer. We thank you that, God, you bring us through those fears that we would fail. We know that, God, any failure that we go through, you will always help us to overcome. So, God, I pray that we would trust you. You would go with us and help us remember these points today. Most importantly, help us to take risk. Help us to know that, God, you have us. God, we don't want to be like the one with the one talent who did nothing. We want to be like the ones who return the talents back to you with a blessing. And God, because we used our talents well, you give us more because you can entrust us with us and trust them to us, God. So Lord, I pray you watch over us, keep us in your hand. Let us live life with no fear. Let us live life with you, Jesus, the overcomer and the life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, man. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Help someone out this week. Tell him about who he is and no fear. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.